Hi, I'm Johnny Trevick. Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. Today we're going to talk about divine, divine, divine. Before we get started, I have a question for you all, and that is, what faith tradition, if any, did you grow up in as a child? Ready for some more Luke? Woo! Yeah. Uh, so we've been in Luke for a while. We are still in Luke. This is our next series. We're talking about after deconstruction, after all these things, what comes next? How do we get some maturity and growth in what we're doing? And so that brings us this morning to Luke chapter 18. It says this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me just justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> this is in the Bible. I'm going to see... I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. <laughs> then the Lord said, this one doesn't need a ton of interpretation. It's, it's all right there. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry, cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank, God, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Fascinating. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 18. So again, we have a parable from Jesus. Jesus spoke a lot in parables, and here's the beautiful thing about parables. If you want to just give someone information, you're not going to do it in a parable. You're just going to say it. If you want to invite someone into a conversation, you're going to use a parable. A parable takes all of the power out of the, the person who's speaking and puts the power back on the listener, right? It's saying, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm saying. I'm going to tell you this kind of story. And it's up to you in Los Angeles in 2019 or wherever at what time. Or it's up to you to see the greater picture of what's going on and figure out how this parable might work for what you are seeing, right? Isn't that beautiful? I definitely grew up in a faith tradition that made it seem like Jesus just had one specific thing he was saying. And if we could hear it right, then we'd be okay. 
And Jesus is constantly inviting us into these parables that are kind of like, okay, right? Like there's a lot of the appearance of opposites in this parable. You have an, a judge, right? A powerful person in the community. You have a widow, right? A less powerful person in the community. You have a Pharisee who thinks highly of themselves. You have a tax collector who thinks lowly of themselves. And then it ends with like this kind of funky language that Jesus uses a lot. Like if you're, look, if you're looking for it or if you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. If you lose it, you'll keep it. If you're humbled, you'll be exalted. If you're exalted, you'll be humbled, right? It always ends with this weird like, you're like, what are you? Just say the thing, you know? Gosh, classic Jesus. So we have this parable, and here's what we say all the time at New Abbey. We say Jesus isn't coming to tell us what to think, but how to think. That's why he talks like this. It's not about information and telling us the right thing. It's about creating a mindset of how we think. And I've started to think that it's how we think impacts how we see. And I'm right in the middle of reading this book, okay? So I'm reading this book that is just changing my life. Um, and I was joking with Corey because I was telling him that. He's like, you're like 20 pages in, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm different. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to finish the book because that is classic me. But so far, these 25 pages, I'm like, this is what I needed to hear. Um, so I'm in this book. It's uh, Richard Rohr's new book. And it, yeah, already. <laughs> yeah, I love this church. Yeah, they're like, yeah, tell me more. Um, and it's such a good reminder of the truth that we find in Genesis 1. It's such a good reminder of the things that we talk about all the time in this church. But it's so fascinating in the way in which it's framed and thinking about it juxtaposed to this parable. So in Genesis 1, you have creation and it is good. You have God loving something by joining in it, by uniting it, by leaving a little bit of the divine everywhere you can look so that everything on this earth has that light in it that's freaking beautiful. We talk in here a lot about creation as the first Bible, as this incarnation moment. And so when Jesus comes, it's strange to me that when Jesus came, we started using Jesus not as this incarnation that doubles down on the idea that everyone has value and is good and is seen, which is the message he gives over and over. Instead, Jesus came and we started using Jesus by, like, as the rubric by which we measured everyone else. In the faith tradition I grew up in, yours might be different, it felt like there was a scale that started at sinner and ended at Jesus. And as long as you were like kind of like over here, then you like would be okay when you died. Is the thing I felt like. Like Jesus wasn't an invitation to this radical idea that everyone has value and everyone has Christ in them and that there is equality at this table. Jesus was a rubric that I measured how bad or good I was, right? Then you put it in the context from Genesis 1 to the incarnation of Jesus, and you see this beautiful narrative that's been there the whole time. And I read something like this parable, and I'm like, Jesus is constantly trying to reframe the way we see people. He's juxtaposing all these people from the unjust judge to the widow, to the Pharisee, to the tax collector, to people that think too highly of themselves, to people that think not enough, all these people. And guess what? They still have Christ in them. And so this book, one of the things that it talks about a lot is um, sitting with people and experiencing the Christ in them, connecting to the Christ in you, experiencing Christ in them. Doesn't that sound so awesome? And it talks, there's this one part that got me, because I haven't got that far into it, so there's only a few parts that can get me. Um, <laughs> talked about sin as being our, our, our uttermost 
uh, sorrow, our utmost sorrow. And that, that is reflective of the Christ in someone as being in the tomb. But the beauty of what we believe is that a Christ in the tomb is always capable of becoming a resurrected Christ. And I had meetings this week that I wasn't looking forward to or was feeling insecure about or unsure about. And I took time to center myself before those meetings to remind myself that the Christ in me is meeting with the Christ in someone. And how can I not think about what I'm going to respond and how they're going to think about what I'm responding? And am I showing up pastory enough or not pastor enough or all my insecurities and just sat and said, the Christ in them is in the tomb and in need of resurrection. And how might I show up in this conversation? How does it change the way I listen? And it was so beautiful and amazing and changed everything. And it lasted for about 10 minutes before I got back to thinking about what they were thinking about the way I was showing up. And this is the reality of the work that you try to do is it's not easy. Because to see oneness with someone, you have to come from oneness. But unfortunately, most of us come from division. Because we grew up in a society that divided by, I don't know, everything, race, gender, sexuality, class, religion, height, size. Literally any way you can divide someone is how we've been taught to see people. And so coming from oneness is hard when you start with seeing things as divided. And as much as I hate to admit it, right, I think about, like, well, why doesn't everyone just do this? Why can't we just all look around and be like oneness and can be like a like burning man but safer and we all just like <laughs> are happy? Because then I realize that messes up our power structures. If we come from oneness and we see in oneness there's no hierarchy, there's no achievement, there's no way to measure yourself, there's no grades, and that's really hard for people like us. I'm going to say us, I mean me but I'm just including you in this, okay? Because if I'm honest, on most days that I feel like I'm a mess, it brings me a little bit of comfort to say, okay, like, I'm not doing great, but you know who I'm still better than, okay? <laughs> if I'm alone, I'm alone, but I feel like I might not be alone, right? Like, man, that wasn't a good thought, but like, at least I'm not chanting build a wall. Right? These are real things I've thought. And I read the, the um, prayer of the Pharisee in that passage, and I'm like, what a God. You know what I mean? But then I'm like, I've prayed that. I've just, I have said that. I have thought those things to comfort myself in my own discomfort. I have measured myself against someone who on the rubric, that, the false rubric that I have of life, I measure up as just a little bit more ahead. And then if we want to keep it real honest and we want to keep going, when I don't feel good or I do feel good, then I measure myself up against someone who is farther along in the rubric so I feel bad about myself because I'm not them. So I feel good that I'm not them and then I feel bad that I'm not them. This is the trap we live in. Baby escaping. <laughs> and this is the difficulty of being able to see from that oneness and sit with the Christ in us and sit with the Christ in someone else is that levels the playing field. That creates a level ground that takes away all the hierarchy, and we love to be better and worse than people. It brings us a weird sense of comfort, <laughs> right? Which is why 10 minutes into the, like, some of the most beautiful encounters I've ever had with people this week, I started reverting back to like, bringing my own baggage in it. Right? 
But there's something beautiful about trying to see something at least once so you can try to see it again. Right? I was talking about how Sammy and I decided that uh, when we start a family, our family car um, will be the least reasonable family car ever created, which is a four-door Jeep Wrangler. Um, yeah. <laughs> doesn't make sense. So, okay, same. Yeah, I'm like, but why? I don't know. There's so many better family cars. So anyways, this is the life we live. So we said this. And then as soon as we said it, like, we see them everywhere. Like, they were already all, like, everywhere. But now that we, like, had that fixed moment in our mind, we're like, I want a four-door Jeep Wrangler. I can't literally drive down even my own street without seeing, like, a four-door Jeep Wrangler. It's wild. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, and every one I see I take as, like, a sign that God's like, yeah, get that car, right? They've been there the whole time. There's not a surge of four-door Jeep Wranglers in Pasadena. I'm just looking now, right? This is how this works. Albert Einstein has this quote. That is um, just a beautiful quote. Um, and he says this. He says, um, <laughs> I made a joke in the first gathering about E equals MC squared being the quote. And then I was like, don't do that joke again. But then I couldn't remember the real quote. I just had E equals MC squared stuck in my head. OK. Um, no, he has this other quote. He says this. There's only, got it, there's only um, two ways uh, that someone can live their life. The first one is as if nothing is a miracle. And the second is as if everything is a miracle. There's a whole different way of seeing. And what we're looking for and what we're seeing is not new. There's not a surge of Ford or Jeep Wranglers. They've always been there. Now I'm looking. This isn't new that Christ isn't everyone and everything. This isn't new that the whole world is both the hiding place and the revelation place for God. We just need to start looking. And when we look for that and we find it in ourselves, and we can find it a lot more places. So I was talking to um, Sammy about my sermon and like Christ in this person and like Christ in me and all these things. And she was like, is there like a more normal way you can say that? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, does it sound Christian easy? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I'm a person, as much as I hate Christianese, at the same time, I want to remember the fact that we are talking about something that is way bigger than us. We are acknowledging that God, in God's divineness, created a universe in which everything is filled with that same light so that we get to look around and see divine, 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 despite a world that is looking around and saying profane, 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 profane. And that takes a radical amount of persistence and faith and contemplation and trying again and making it work for 10 minutes in a meeting and then trying it again and seeing if you can make it work for 11 minutes in a meeting, right? This isn't a quick fix, but it is the acknowledgement of the most beautiful thing that we have, which is the reality that Christ is in everything. Do we have eyes to see it? This is nothing New, we just need to open. We say this all the time with Moses in the burning bush. It's not that the bush just started burning, it's that Moses finally had eyes to see it. There's something so wildly like beautiful to me right now as I think about where we are as a community and even the series we're in as we're talking about growing in maturity, what it means for me 
to mature in a way that is able to sit and say, the Christ in you may be in the tomb, but you are divine and that Christ is capable of resurrection. The Christ in me might be in the tomb, but that divineness is still there and capable of resurrection. And last week, Sissy freaking tore me apart and she said that we have a couple options when our heart is broken, when we're injured, when we suffer. The first is to tighten it up, to keep that from happening again. And the second is to allow that breaking to open it up for even more love. It's insane. It's the opposite of what everything in our culture is saying. If you look around and it's just, this is profane, this is divine. This is sacred, this is secular. This is natural, this is supernatural. And God is saying, all of it is mine, all of it is divine. And we get to carry that in. And that is hard freaking work and that is not easy. But that is our call, right? That is what we get to do. And I love how much this talks about prayer and persistence in this parable because I think about Martin Luther King Jr.'s words that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. It's long, but it bends towards justice. There is so much beauty and hope and design and mystery and awe and wonder in this world. And it's going to take a long time to shift that narrative, but that's the job we've been given, right? to begin to shift that narrative in ourselves, shift it with who we sit with, and allow those moments of breaking to open up for more love. That's wild. And that's a completely different narrative of like, just try to avoid enough sins to get to heaven. That's no, you're trying to freaking remind the world that the whole thing was divine the whole time. So you're gonna get back with your groups and you're gonna answer this question. Is there a place or person in your life that you need to start seeing through oneness and how might you do that? If you don't like that question or it doesn't make sense, talk about anything that you thought of while we were talking and we'll come back together and enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.